When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galena. And with me, as always, is my buddy, Scott Chu. How's it going today, Scott? Can't complain. Can't complain. I'm Well, I could. I could, but I won't because it's not so bad. It's not We're so here bad. for you. If you need to get something off your <laughs> chest, go for it, buddy. Go for it. Tell us. Oh, no. I spent <laughs> just spending time with the family lately, showing the babies off to people. So my uh, my 90 year old uh, grandmother God is bless. very. Yeah, she's very excited when I can show the babies off to like her neighbors because mm-hmm. it's like, you know, it's her pride and joy that, you know, we've got these kids. So she's got, you know, three great grandkids running around. Um, one's the size of a man, right? My 11 year old, he's five, (laughs) he's five, he's like five foot six, five foot seven, 160, 165 pounds. No, he's enormous. Wow. He's a grown man. Um, like I, it's nice though. Cause I don't have to buy him new clothes. I just give him mine. (laughs) I'm just like, here you go. And you have the best clothes too, because you got all that. I thought I had more kind of stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's got, he's got dinosaur shirts. He's got all kinds of stuff. So, but it's like, I thought I had more time before I'd be giving him my clothes, but he's 11 and here we are. (laughs) You can actually see uh, him in the bed. No one else can, but he's back there. He's he's (laughs) showing his shirt right now. There you go. We see it. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Wow. Yeah. That's the one I wore to uh, the towel draft. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. So great to to hear. How old are the babies now? Three months. Well, they'll be three months in five days. Wow, that's amazing. I can't get that granular. (laughs) That's amazing how time flies. But uh, God bless uh, to you and your family. and Glad that everything's going great. Um, So, and I see also, uh, by the way, your son has that that red hair that you have as well, too, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. The At least one of the babies does, too. My baby boy, Finley's way too bald. We just have no idea what color it is. But Harlow, the girl, has long enough hair that, you know, you catch it in the right light, you can see it's definitely red. Awesome. Awesome stuff. All right. So, uh, hey, we're uh, basically we're recording this on Sunday, July 9th, about 1146 a.m. Eastern time. So we're just uh, by the time you listen to this, it's going to be the all star break. And there's a little break in the action. So uh, eh, just quick 2023 observations uh, from a batter's perspective, Scott. Uh, strikeout rates and walk rates basically the same obviously uh, it's been well documented that there have been more stolen bases this season uh, overall batting average up six points from last year at this time 248 league batting average uh, in this season and last season at the break it was 242 slug has gone up from 395 at this point last season to 410 and uh, per baseball reference, average length of game last year was three hours and six minutes. Uh, at Right now, it's uh, two hours and 40 minutes. So, um, you know, we talked a lot about, you know, the new rules that uh, baseball introduced. I mean, teams are getting around the shift. Uh, you know, the, 
the pitch clock and the limitation of how many pickoff throws a pitcher can make have definitely changed the game, obviously. And that's, uh, uh, we've seen that with the increased number of stolen bases. So, uh, you know, any observations on your part for what we've seen so far in the first half? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the stolen base thing had, you know, that's, it's had a big impact, but I think it's also worth noting that because there's so many more, we've talked about this before, because there's so many more, it made stolen bases almost, I don't want to say they're not important because every, you know, every stat that counts in your league is important, but it has really taken some of the premium off of stolen bases. It's made it so that, you know, like uh, I'm very interested to see where uh, he's, he just hit the IL, but where a guy like Asturi Ruiz goes next season, especially if he continues to kind of be very up and down at the plate in terms of batting average, because it's one category, right? And it's a category that's no, like it's still the hardest one to fill, but it's not nearly as extreme as it's been in past seasons. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see that. I think, I think the other stuff maybe has been a little overblown, right? Like we really, you know, lots of folks were really buying into the shift thing. And yes, like Corey Seager has been a lot better, but that's not because of the shift, right? That's because he's a good hitter and he's mm-hmm. been healthy. Uh, you know, once he started playing, he was healthy, but we haven't seen, I think some of, you know, we, there was folks out there that maybe thought that there'd be a resurgence of left-handed power hitters hit, getting more batting average. And we're just not seeing that, right? Because, you know, they not consistently, you, you know, you see it yeah. here and there, like, you know, uh, Anthony Rizzo is really slumping lately, but you know, started the for, year. Well, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and but, I mean, he's slumping because he's hitting the ball poorly. It's not because they've mm-hmm. made some infield adjustment against him. Right. Right. Um, so we we're seeing that. I think um, the other interesting thing is, is the shorter games. And at first mm-hmm. I thought I hated it and I've turned, it turns out I really like it. I, the games sure. move, man. Like mm-hmm. they, I, I can watch a whole game and, uh, at, you know, if, if I go to maybe like a bar or, or someone's place to watch a game, I can watch the whole game without like starting to clock watch and being like, is it time to go? Like, mm-hmm. I can't sit here for three hours, but I can for two easily. Right. And the only time I, I think that it would affect us uh, baseball fans is, let's say, if you're at a game and you're at a stadium that has long lines at the con- concession stands. So if you sit, sit in a, you know, stand in a concession uh, line at a concession stand, uh, uh, I could speak, don't worry. Um, yeah. You know, you might miss. Inning. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the only thing. But I, I love the new pace. Uh, as well so that's really uh, awesome so as uh, we hit the all-star break any recommendations on strategy that fantasy managers can use scott to uh hopefully bring home a title in the second half of the season i mean i'm, I'm taking a look at uh personally some of my leagues in where i stand in categories to see what's realistic in terms of where i should be focusing where i could be making a move but uh, any recommendations on your yeah. point Yeah. So, you know, a couple of things, you know, obviously we'll focus on the hitting categories. I think the Mm -hmm. first thing to remember is that other than stolen bases, one player is unlikely to make any significant change in terms of like a waiver wire ad, right? It's just going to be really tough because, because, you know, the, for the rest of the season, right. You know, we're not going to see a whole lot of guys hit 20 more home runs and those guys are on rosters, Mm -hmm. right? So there's just, there's just a finite amount of time left for waiver wire caliber players to add things, right? Stolen base is a little different because you can see guys come out and just start running like crazy. Like what Ellie De La Cruz has what, like seven or eight in the last like six games or something like, I mean, something ridiculous. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 
So you can see a single play, and because there are still fewer stolen bases, you can you can see movement in the mid, especially usually in the middle of the <clears throat> of the stolen base rankings in your league. If you're in a roto league, you can see some movement there because mm-hmm. it's you know sometimes the difference between tenth and sixth is like. 12 stolen bases. You you can find a player or two to get there. For everything else, you need more than one player. Right? That's the thing I think a lot of people you have to remember, you can't let's say you are 7th <clears throat> in batting average or OBP. It'd be real easy to tell you, well go get Luis Arias. But Luis Arias, even if he continues to stay healthy, hit leadoff, get a bunch of at-bats, he just can't move the needle on your OBP that much because OBP is calculated like by plate appearances and you already have so many, right? Mm-hmm. And there's only so many more you can give you. So if you need to get better in, for example, ratios, you can do that, but it's not one player. You need, you need to be prepared to have a multiple player strategy, right? And you need to recognize where some of your, of your stats are going to come up and down just by regression, mm-hmm. right? So uh, if, you know, if, if you've been struggling with power and, um, you know, you've, you've got some guys that are coming off the IL or maybe that are heating up. I mean, we were not very nice to John Carlos Stanton last week, but if you're someone that believes in John Carlos Stanton, uh, that is one way that you're going to get some of that power back. And that can come just by form of regression. He right? had a like couple he, of bombs yesterday. I mean, <clears throat> yeah. I'm, I'm just as hard on him as you and everyone else, but <clears throat> these, especially these power hitters, they're very, very streaky and, and he especially, but uh, yeah. And, and like, eventually you're going to, you know, uh, to just talk about another Yankee, you're going to get Aaron judge back, right? It, that's going to happen. Hope. It's just a matter of, <laughs> yeah, just a matter of when, right. It, but, but the home runs will be there on the other mm-hmm. hand, you also need to think about where you could start losing production. Like if you've got Lewis Robert jr, you're feeling really good, but let's be clear. He has one of the worst health track records in the league. The last mm-hmm. few seasons, mm-hmm. right? he just has really struggled to stay on the field. So if he's been carrying everything, that's fine. I'm not saying you need to trade him. I'm just saying you need to be constantly on guard. Like, how do I make sure I have outfield depth? What do I do if, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's not that different from how you plan for regular life, right? It's like, okay, so what do I do if my car breaks down? Like, Mm -hmm. what do I do if I lose uh, Lewis Robert Jr.? Do I have a plan, right? It may not it may not make you feel great, right? Cause it's a contingency plan, but you need to have some kind of plan. Like, okay, I, I can, you know, maybe I'll, what I'll do then is, <clears throat> you know, maybe punt speed and just focus on power or, you know, and try to trade to acquire power. Or, you know, if I'm in a head to head league, it's like, okay, I've lost Lewis Robert jr. Here's how I'm going to fight back in those stat categories. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't just rely on the wire. If you lose right. a star, you can't just use the wire. You're not going to come back that way. So, if you need to make a trade, you need to know what kind of targets you would have. Start kicking the tires now. See what, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to make a move yet, but you can find out what it would take, right? right? Because if if you wait until he's out and you're desperate, that's not the right time to start making, you know, all your trades because you're going to be in this place where it's like, I have to do it now, you know? Mm-hmm. God forbid your player goes down two weeks before the trade deadline and all of a sudden you've got no time right. to make moves, test the market, and everybody knows you're desperate. You're not desperate right now. Right. So this is the time to go and find out, like, is this the right time for me to make a move right now? Like this part of the season, the all-star break. Yes, it's about looking at your standings. It's about looking at the categories where you can get the most, you know, bang for your buck. Right. Right. Like, hey, I, you know, I'm doing pretty well in run scored. I'm getting, you know, if it's I'll use Roto League just because it's kind of easier to conceptualize. But okay, I'm, you know, I'm in 10th out of your I'm in I'm in like fourth 
but it mm-hmm. looks like getting to second, like we're all really bunched up, right? Second, third, and fourth and runs are all really bunched up. So maybe I say, okay, uh, which of my players look like they're going to move up in the batting order and what players on the wire, maybe like a Haseon Kim have moved up in the batting right. order that might be able to help me start making an impact, mm-hmm. right? And you so, also have to be realistic too. You have to <clears throat> look at, you know, the standings and say, well, look, there's a possibility I may be able to move up, you know, three spots uh, and then it kind of, you know, then the rest is unreachable. So, uh, yeah. Y- so how to- much, how mm-hmm. much do you want to spend for that? Yeah. So mm-hmm. you go and trade for, I mean, again, he's on the IL right now, but like an Estuary Ruiz, right? Cause like, oh man, I need speed, right? Mm-hmm. I need speed, but make sure you know how many points you can truly get from speed. Like just because it's like your worst category doesn't mean that's where the most points are that you can actually get. Right. Right. Because just like you said, if there's a huge cliff, right. If, if you're at, you know, your eighth in steals, right. Um, you might notice like, Oh, Oh wow. It won't be that hard for me to get up to fifth, but getting to third is, mm-hmm. a you know, there's just, there might just be a huge gap. I've got that in some leagues where right. there's this big tier at the top where they're so far away, you know, Hey, maybe you get lucky and that you get there, but those aren't the points to chase. Mm-hmm. You can do it across, you know, do it across the board, see where you can find them. Uh, and, and again, look for targets, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I know right now um, it's again, it's a time where as long as you're, if you're not desperate yet, that's really the best time to mm-hmm. look for those offers. And also it, you have to have different strategies depending on the type of league that you're in. We talked about Roto style, but uh, in head to head, if you're consistently winning a specific category by a bunch, well, maybe then that's where you could uh, offer another league mate, you know, a player in a trade. Like, for instance, if you're consistently winning the stolen base category on a weekly basis, let's say 10 to four or 10 to, you know, then maybe you're a little top heavy in the stolen base category. And, and that's a way of, of you know, figure out your strategy as well, especially in a head to head league, right? You can't mm-hmm. take them with you, right. right? Winning the stolen base category by 10 every week is a waste of resources because you right. only need to win by one, right? Right. You know, two or three stolen bases, it could better. be strikeouts, could be anything, you know, yeah. in a head to head. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'd say is, you know, know your league. Yeah. It's, it's a very common thing. You hear people like us say, but for example, I'm in a league with a bunch of dudes from Florida and it's a points league and I roster Yandy Diaz. And as much mm-hmm. as I loved what he did at the beginning of the season, um, it really looks like a fluke. Andy Diaz has just not been able to get the ball in the air like he did at the beginning of the season. And that's what drove those home runs. He hasn't had a home run in quite some time. Uh, I mean, I haven't checked super lately, but it's been a while, right? He's been at, you know, 10 to 12 home runs for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them still believe, right? Because Yandy Diaz still has giant biceps. He still has, uh, you know, an incredible, <laughs> he, he has incredible plate discipline. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, and he has a ton of power. It's just, he's gone back to the Andy Diaz we always know. And, you know, from there, you know, I want to bank on them thinking he's going to get better and I'm willing to make a deal for Andy Diaz. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able to flee some cause they're not stupid, but I know that that's a player they're willing to acquire because, you know, they think they're buying low and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm kind of selling at normal price or selling high because you think this power is coming back and I don't. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is just about, you know, think about the expectations that people have of certain players, look at projections and look at the ones where you're like, I just don't see it. Right. Mm-hmm. You are allowed to disagree with projections because projections are trying to say this is the most likely outcome, but they're never the outcome. Mm-hmm. Right. They can be close, but, you know, you can be the type of person who says, you know, I really think Christopher Morrell is going to turn it on. We talked earlier this season about how this decision value went way, way up. We we're very excited about what was happening. Well, it's back down. 
right? He's mm -hmm. come all the way back down. He's making poor decisions at the plate, but he's still make, getting, you know, he's still being productive. If you think he is someone that can continue to sort of ride that wave and, and be good, there's a lot of folks who are going to get frustrated with Christopher Morel really quick. They may mm -hmm. be able, you know, to let, you know, to kind of let him go. Or, you know, like I'm really suspect of Luke Rayleigh's contactability. Our metrics say he has one of the, you know, he is among the league's worst at making contact when he should, right? Uh, and you kind of see it in the in the batting average. So to me, that makes him highly suspect. I am ready to move him, even though other people are finally warming up to mm -hmm. Luke Rayleigh, right? I mean, to me, that's that's another approach you can take. You know, like lots of folks think he can still do this. He mm -hmm. is a Ray. He is finding more playing time. Things are looking up. I just don't buy it. So I'm willing to shop him and I can find someone better. Like, again, I don't need to fleece people. I just need to improve or get something more useful to me. And you're using your own evaluations in your trade, uh, you know, strategy, which is great. I mean, you know, and, and that's, you know, we all have different valuations on specific players and that's, that's how trades get done. Right. And, uh, I mean, but, and also just to backtrack on Yandy Diaz, um, he hasn't had a home run in 34 games. His last home run was May 26th. And, and since then the batting average is still real good, you know, batting 302, 367 OBP, but his slug is 346. He's hit six doubles. 10 RBI. So he's, you know, for 34 games, he's been the Yandy Diaz of old. Yeah. And, and I want to talk about one more thing. Um, mm -hmm. And it's, it's the uh, previously mentioned Ellie De La Cruz, who actually, he has seven stolen bases in his last five games. We need greasy fast speed. Uh, he's stolen a base in five straight and he stole three on Saturday. Um, <clears throat> Here's what I want to say about Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz is an amazing talent. I think we are are all very excited to see him hitting the ball hard, seeing sure. him steal base. He's got 16 stolen bases already. It was mm -hmm. just wild. Here's the thing. <clears throat> I consider him the most untradeable player in fantasy right now. right? Because nobody, nobody has a good idea of what a fair trade for Ellie De La Cruz is. right? If you want Ellie De La Cruz, you are paying whatever they ask for. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, because... You know, like I wouldn't give up like a Juan Soto or something like that. But are you telling me there's not like there there are people that believe that is what you need to do, right? Um, I'm I'm not saying you should try to sell Ellie De La Cruz right now because again, no, but nobody wants to pay what Ellie Cruz Ellie De La Cruz might be worth. Uh, and there is no good value, right? It, it's sort of a, it, it's sort of a guy. It's not like we don't have comps for it, but but <clears throat> especially in like redraft or even in dynasty this is a guy that's so tough to move right now I, I do a reddit ama every friday every friday somebody asks about you know what should i what what player should i expect for ellie de la cruz and it's whatever one you want and just you don't have like that's the other thing even if you're in a you might be in selling mode right now but remember like whether you're a buyer or seller you don't have to make the trade just because the value is high right just because you think this might be the peak value for Ellie De La Cruz doesn't mean you have to make the move right now, right? Is it a good time to kick the tire? See if someone's willing to give up a top, you know, if you could trade Ellie De La Cruz right now for a top 10 dynasty asset, I would do it, right? Because there's just not that many players that are that good, right? So if you mm -hmm. can get a Fernando Tatis Jr., a Juan Soto, uh, go for it, right? And maybe somebody will. But if they're not, I think then you're just kind of holding. Right. You're just well, like, okay, well, I'll keep him and I'll see what happens. And yeah, it might like fizzle, you know, his value might go down. You might start kicking yourself. But a player this volatile, 
right? I mean, he's really a series to series guy because right. up until this last five game stretch, he'd been struggling again, mm-hmm. right? He had gone about, I want to say it's like eight to 10 games where he was striking out a ton. He couldn't make any hard contact. Uh, when he did make hard contact, it was right into the dirt. So, I mean, th- these ups and downs are going to be crazy to ride. And that to me just makes him you know, anyone that's wondering, what do I do with LA day of the cruise? You stick him in your, like, if you've got him, you know, start him and you just don't do anything else unless someone's willing to give you a top 10 player. Do I yeah. think he's a top 10 player going forward? Probably not. Uh, well, I think he could be, it, it'd be difficult, right? Because I do worry about the hit tool and how often he can get the ball in the air. But well, if you take a look at who, who he's being traded for. Yeah, I see one trade Julio Rodriguez for LA Dela Cruz. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting one. That right? is an interesting one because you know Julio's been a little bit down this season. That's an interesting move. Yeah. But uh, you know, how many leagues is that really going to take place in? But again, maybe yours. So worth taking a look. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I did want to just talk about him because how can you not talk about him right now in baseball? Yeah. He's had these stretches of about six or seven games that he has just looked every bit this unstoppable being right he'll stop striking out hit everything and then he'll go back to his high strikeout you know it's it's really weird and what i'm hoping is that we see the hot streaks last a little longer and the cold ones last a little shorter uh but it's going to be a roller coaster Hmm. so let me just throw some other trades that i see that you know because yahoo lists some of the recent trades in leagues right um Obviously, this is a dynasty league, but Ellie Dela Cruz and Hunter Green plus an eighth round pick for your boy Tariq Skubal and Spencer Strider and a fifth round pick. Um, I'd love to know what kind of picks those are. Like, are they for MLB or are they like first year player draft, something like that? Yeah, yeah. But that's a really interesting one, too. Not, I mean, Skubal, I mean, you should acquire Skubal, but uh, <laughs> it's really the Spencer Strider piece, right? Because yeah. starting pitching. That's the hardest thing to trade. Like what I get, you know, obviously, you know, during the AMA, all the other times we get these questions about trades for starters and hitters from league to league tend to be pretty consistent in value. Mm-hmm. Pitching is so different from league to league because in some leagues, starting pitching always has an extra like 20% premium in points leagues. It might be like even more than that. And then in other leagues, they're treated like, you know, they're, they're not valued more than hitters. So really hard to get a judge on that. But, you know, Spencer Strider, especially for the remainder of this year, if that's one of those leagues that has like a relief pitcher spot, since Spencer Strider uh, can go there. I mean that, but again, Spencer Strider, one of the, if not the top dynasty pitcher that you can pick up, right? That's the kind of player we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let me give you a couple more real quick and then we'll take a break. But uh, LA Dela Cruz and Jake Fraley, for Carlos Correa and Luis Robert Jr. Yeah. Um, yeah. Ah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, so so to me, that's a bit of a parallel move, right? So you're trading a guy who I think has performance risk. I, I talk about this a lot, like in the, uh, in the AMAs. I don't know how much I do it here, but there's two real kinds of risk, right? There's performance risk, which is you don't know how well a player will perform while they're on the field. And then there's injury risk, right? You don't know how often they'll be on the field. Right. So trading Ellie De La Cruz, who I think is more of a performance risk than an injury risk, right? For Lewis Robert, who is not really a performance risk. He's streaky, but we know that he is a hot, I mean, when he's on the field, he is capable of very, very dangerous things, but he's a massive injury risk. Right. So, you know, and then after that, it's what? Fraley for Correa, Correa, massive injury risk. 
um, and a performance risk right now. Jake Fraley, he's been hot. I like his skills, but he also gets hurt all the time and he gets platooned all the time. So like, it, it just feels very parallel to me. And I don't always love parallel moves unless, you know, someone's got, you know, there are situations where I'd be okay with this, right? Because maybe you've got a bunch of shortstops and Ellie De La Cruz is the one, you know, you've got three and it's realistic that like maybe Ellie De La Cruz is the one that's kind of expendable, right? Maybe you're sitting mm-hmm. on Tatis Jr. plus uh, uh, Wander Franco, right? I mean, you're just loaded up on young talent. So now you've got these three and, and Ellie De La Cruz is the one that'll get you the biggest return. Other mm-hmm. than tattoos, so you're probably not moving anyway. Yeah, so like if you're me- super, you're super loaded. So I get it. All right. I'll give you one last one. Uh, Ellie Dela Cruz and Zach Eflin for Ryan Presley and Marcus Simeon. Oh, I don't like that. Uh, <laughs> I I don't. Um, Somebody needs saves, I, obviously. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. do you like that bad? <laughs> right. Like maybe in a redraft league, sure. Right. I. It's. It's maybe, you know, it's, I hate saying you could have gotten more, um, but you could have gotten more probably. Right. Uh, but again, that's the thing about trades, especially in redraft, the, the market of folks who are actually willing to trade is very small mm-hmm. in redraft. Yeah. Uh, so this might be the best offer they could get. And you are giving out a lot of performance risk for a player who I do think is going to have a much better second half. Um, it wouldn't, you know, and, and I guess thinking about it more, I don't know if, if it'd be that weird for Marcus Semien to be better than Ellie De La Cruz, right? If this is redraft, I think it's okay. In a keeper, mm-hmm. obviously not. No way. Well, let's see what De La Cruz, uh, what, what the uh, projections have him for the rest of season. And we'll compare it to what Marcus Simeon. So yeah, most of the projection models say, you know, 8, 9, 10 home runs, uh, 258 batting average, and, you know, uh, 14, 15 stolen bases. That's for De La Cruz. And let's look up Marcus Simeon. And yeah, 10, 11 home runs, you know, 8 to 10 stolen bases and a 263 high 250s batting average rest of the season. So yeah. And then, of course, Marcus Simeon represents a bit more stability. Uh, You'll also probably get an extra 10 runs scored or so mm-hmm. uh, from Simeon than you will Ellie De La Cruz. Um, in theory, Semyon is more consistent. He's been kind of lackluster lately, mm-hmm. but um, that, you know that's why in redraft I don't hate it. But again, kind of parallel, right? right. Like, have you really made like you might have made your like if you're the LA De La Cruz manager, you've you've made your team more stable. But have you gotten better? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. All right, let's take our first break, and when we come back, uh, there were some prospects that were called up this week. We'll talk about them right after this. Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom has created weight management programs that are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow, and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. So stop chasing health trends and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. 
That's noom.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. Joe Galina and Scott Chu. You could follow me at Joe Galina. You could follow my buddy Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. And uh, there were a few uh, prospects that were called up this week. Scott, let's uh, get your take on them. Uh, the Orioles calling up Colton Kowser, outfielder. Uh, very limited action so far. Only played uh, in four games, but has played the three outfield spots, all three outfield spots for the Orioles this far. Batted uh, sixth and seventh so far. Um, you look at his minor league stats, got some power, got some speed uh, in three minor league seasons, uh, has a 305, 431, 489 triple slash with a 920 OPS. Really good uh, OBP skills. Uh, walk rates consistently in the upper teens throughout his minor league career. Uh, you just wonder, you know, how much playing time and how long he'll uh, be with the uh, big league club. But the Orioles have been struggling, uh, struggling a bit lately. So uh, maybe they're looking for a little uh, boost of energy that uh, Kowser could give them. Yeah, Kowser's main tool is actually like his speed and his fielding. He's a, he's an excellent defender. Uh, by all accounts that I've read, <clears throat> I am not so sure that he's an impact bat at the major league level. Doesn't mean he can't be good or serviceable. Uh, I just I was surprised at the amount of uh, you know hype he kind of got on the call up. Like yes, he was batting very well in the minor leagues, but uh, you know I'm not. I just this has been a little bit of a power spike, but I guess I'm just not. I'm not sure that that power was ever really going to translate to the major league level. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad he hasn't struck out yet. 18 plate appearances, no strikeouts. So that that's impressive, but I'm just not sure he has the overall tools to really be, you know, how many, you know, he's not going to be someone that steals a ton of bases. He does have speed, but he doesn't necessarily steal a ton of bases. He's got like a, he's got a good feel for hitting, but he's not, again, he's not someone that's going to just start banging out home runs. Um, uh, so he, he's less exciting to me from a fantasy perspective. If I wanted a young player from the Orioles, I still, I mean, he's not close to the prospect that like Gunnar Henderson is mm-hmm. right. And, and yeah, I, I, you know, people are asking, should I drop Gunnar Henderson for Colton Kowser? And they, no, right. Because mm-hmm. Gunnar Henderson has the, has the ability to be a top 50 bat, right? Not and, only that, he has an everyday job. We don't know how yeah. long Kowser uh, is going to be up with the big league club too yet. Exactly. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Mountcastle isn't per- performing terribly well in the minor leagues for uh, the Orioles right now, but he is in the minor he leagues. Got, he is rehabbing. Yeah, I think uh, be- right before our show, I think the uh, they announced that they uh, reinstated him off the IL. Oh, fantastic. Good, mm-hmm. good, good. So, yeah. So, I mean, that just adds another wrinkle then. Sure. to how exactly they're going to find them all. Cedric Mullins is the, you know, he's, a, he's not going to be leaving the lineup when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, you know, mostly help healthy lately. Right. So, so Kowser is kind of in this rotation in right field, I guess, uh, you know, cause San, Santander, I guess can DH, but he's otherwise he's played right field. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a switch hitter. They've got Aaron Hicks switch hitter who, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think he has a lot left in the tank, but right. they've been surprisingly willing to, to get Aaron him to Hicks. play when he came back, by the way, I'm just going to take his side. He really got the Yankees. I don't know if you heard, they put up this uh, tribute video to him, you know, on his first return back to Yankee stadium this past week. And it was unfortunate. The fans really, really booed him. So I really felt bad for him. I'm glad he got out of New York and, you know, 
could you know kind of reboot hopefully reboot his career but uh i feel bad for for hicks but god i'm sorry yeah no no but but i mean really what what we've got is a single spot in the outfield Mm -hmm. right it's right field and right now there's aaron hicks who is his primary competition for it and so i think for now maybe he can hold that off but uh if ryan mountcastle starts hitting he's gonna they're gonna start wanting him to get not just first base between him and ryan o'hearn uh they're going to want one of them to take the DH role sometimes too, which means Santander has to move back to the outfield. It could start getting a little bit tough. Uh, he should always be on the large side of platoon, but in a 12-team league, again, just a difficult path to be someone who uh, I want to roster rest of season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Diamondbacks uh, called up Dominic Anzone, 25-year-old prospect. Um you know, there's a little issue with uh, Corbin Carroll, who's day to day with a shoulder issue. And the concern is, is that Carroll had had uh, an injury, I believe, to the same shoulder uh, in the minor leagues. Um, and so we'll see, you know, thankfully, we've got this little all-star break and maybe he could uh, recuperate a little bit. But uh, Canzone batted seventh in his first game good contact skills didn't strike out much in his uh, minor league career 13.2 percent k rate in 71 games in triple a this season uh another guy that's got uh, some some power and speed and uh again we're not 100 percent sure how long he'll uh remain with the big league club i guess it all depends on on the seriousness of uh, corbin carroll's injury yeah and you know i i think i like if I had to pick between Kowser and Canzone from a pure fantasy pers- perspective, I almost think I like Canzone better uh, mm-hmm. just because he's got more pop, right? He's got more power. So it, it's easier to see that translate to, you know, like a if he got a full-time role, I think it's easier to see him have a path to being a guy that you can set and forget in mm-hmm. a four or five outfield league. The problem for him, of course, is that uh, he's on one of the only teams that has like an all left-handed outfield. Right. So Canzone is a lefty. Uh, he can play first or he can play in the corners. And of course, he plays on the Diamondbacks who already feature an all left handed outfield right. between <laughs> Corbin Carroll, Jake McCarthy and, and Alec Thomas. Right. So uh, he, he can't really platoon in. That would have been. So that's really the path. Right. So that's how Colton Kowser is sort of the main guy uh, in right field for the Orioles is because he's left handed. So he's mm-hmm. going to play against the right-handed starters, and then maybe they toss in a right, you know, they'll they might sit him against lefties. But Canzone is also a lefty, right? And and he's not going to bring the stolen base ability or upside of Jake McCarthy, who's in the lineup. He's mm-hmm. certainly not Corbin Carroll. So really the only path left is is Alec Thomas. But of course, Canzone can't play center field. Mm-hmm. So you know, he'd need one of the other guys to move. It becomes a little messier to see exactly like, you know, kind of like how they're gonna do this. Uh, you know, it's worth noting that Canzone made his appearance, but it was at, it was at DH, mm-hmm. right? It wasn't like they even put him in the outfield. So, um, I, I don't know, you know, and obviously, you know, he can play first base, but Christian Walker's there. You're not moving him. So it's really tough to see the path to playing time. As much as I like the upside, it's a crowded outfield here in Arizona. It's been a mm-hmm. while since they've been too crowded with talent to see the space for a guy like who's performed as well in the minors as Canzone. But here we are. Yeah, uh, they're first place, right? Uh, heading into the uh, All Star break, uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that uh, NL West shakes out in the second half. Um, another player, last player that I'll talk about that got called up this week is uh, Jonathan Aranda from the Rays. 
place uh, first, second, and third. Uh, there was an open spot on the Rays roster with uh, Josh Lowe leaving the team due to a family emergency. And you know, he's uh, last year he was up and had 87 plate appearances, uh, batted 192 with a 276 OBP and a 321 slug. Uh, but uh, was really doing, was raking in, in AAA this season. Um, again, you don't know how long he's going to be uh, up with the big league team, but to me, you know, I like the position uh, flexibility that he gives you and man, Taylor, he'd be a good replacement in a way for Taylor walls. Who's really been struggling for a long time. Uh, yeah. And uh, batting 176 against right-handed pitching doing okay against lefties. But uh, if the, if there's one path, I mean, the way that walls has been playing, maybe Aranda could uh, steal some time from him. You know, I, I bet the Rays wish they could take Taylor Walls and Jonathan Aranda and smash them together because mm-hmm. Aranda has way more hitting upside than Taylor Walls, right? The reason Taylor Walls plays so much is because he's a fantastic defender all across sure. the infield, right? He can play mm-hmm. really good defense, and Aranda doesn't, right? I mean, he's he's uh, he can play first, second, and third in the same way that Isak Paredes plays first, second, and third, and that, like, you got to plug him out there somewhere, but you don't love the defense at any position. So, uh, Aranda, so that's going to be his... It's the one time defense matters, right? Because he's not going to be someone who can force his way into the lineup with the glove like his teammate Taylor Walls, mm-hmm. but he can hit, right? So it's interesting. He's sort of a, he's like stuck in this DH role, I think, for the Rays right now. The Rays care about defense, maybe even more than some other teams. Uh, and, you know, he's left handed, but this team already had left handed guys. They were kind of starting all over the place. Um, I, I think what he could be is someone who kind of cuts into the playing time of, you know, someone who's already lost a bunch of playing time. That's Harold Ramirez, right? I mean, we could mm-hmm. see playing time cut down for right-handed Manuel Margot, who is a speedy outfielder, but doesn't hit that well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think Aranda can get DH playing times against right-handed hitters, but he, or right-handed pitching, but right. Like I want to see what happens after two or three lefties and I won't be shocked if he sits. Is there mm-hmm. upside? Sure. And a large side platoon player is someone who can make an impact in daily leagues because you can move them around. But uh, I, I think the lack of defensive ability is going to be what ultimately potentially caps his upside because he just doesn't have a place to play every day because the only real place he can play every day is DH. Of course, an injury, you know, Brandon, Brandon Lau has been a guy who's been injured a lot. Mm-hmm. So there could be room there. If Luke Rayleigh falls off a cliff, I don't think he'll fall off a cliff, but if he does have a big downturn, you could see like Aranda and Paredes sort of mix around at second and third uh, with Lowe playing some outfield. That's that's a position he's played for before. The Rays will put guys in whatever position they think they won't be horrible at. Mm-hmm. Right. So they're that the one it's this weird advantage and disadvantage to being on the Rays is that they will make room for you, but they will also take you out to make room for somebody else. Right. So uh, there is a little bit more of a path because he doesn't just need someone to go down on injury. If someone's not performing, they will find ways to get Aranda in the lineup more. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure in a 12 team, three outfield league, I'm, you know, putting a whole lot of effort into making a claim unless I, you know, I just lost uh, some outfielders, you know, like a uh, Andrew McCutcheon, something like that. So I'm looking for mm-hmm. a back end outfielder anyway. I think that, uh, or, you know, utility kind of guy. I think that's where you do it. He's an infielder, but you probably in those leagues, if, unless you have a middle or corner infield, you just don't have a place to, to put him in your infield probably because he just doesn't really have a path to being a top 10 to 12 infielder mm-hmm. uh, at any position. 
But in a utility role, because you lost one of your guys, uh, yeah, sure, sure. And mm-hmm. keep an eye on him, right? Because the hit tool's good. There's power there. Uh, th- th- there's there's a lot of upside, but it requires playing time, and his glove's not good enough to demand that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely has a, a good hit tool, like you mentioned. In seven minor league seasons, 304, 389, 473, triple slash. And, uh, yeah, Rays may be looking for a little infusion of something because – uh, you know, they're still a great team, but they're on uh, lost seven straight uh, heading into Sunday's action. And uh, so we'll see what happens there. Of the three that we just mentioned, um, you think Canzone. So we mentioned Aranda, Jonathan Aranda. We mentioned Dominic Canzone and Colton Cowser. I know that by the time this podcast drops, you know, waivers would have uh, been processed already. But you, do you think this, who's the safest out of these three, you think? Safe is a hard word for any of these guys. They are all struggling for playing time, right? I think if you just want the pure upside, it's Aranda. I think he is the best prospect of them. I think he has the best bat of them. But if mm-hmm. you want to mix, you know, playing, you know, the a chance to get playing time plus, you know, chance to stay on the roster for more than a few weeks, plus potential upside. I think maybe Eileen can zone because you probably have more outfield spots that you can plug him into. Uh, So there might be more room for him on your roster specifically. And maybe there are some pads in, uh, you know, especially we don't know what's going to happen with Corbin Carroll. We haven't gotten a lot of updates there yet. Uh, And, you know, Alec Thomas is, you know, been very up and down. So maybe they, you know, they take him out of center and then let, you know, if Corbin Carroll's healthy, they can put him in center or Jake McCarthy or something like that. That lets Canzone come in and play one of the corners. I think that's probably the best one. None of them are really moved, you know, in my 12 team leagues, I'm not really rushing to pick up any of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe watch list, but if I had to pick one, it's probably, it is probably Canzone over Kowser, who I've, I, you know, he's got, he's, sort of like on roster resource, they have them in the lineup, but you know, now they've got Ryan Mountcastle back. So mm-hmm. that could start eating up playing time really quickly. And of course with Aranda, as we just talked about, there is some path to playing time there, but also uh, what happens when Josh Lowe comes back, right? right? Do they, do they put him back down? We don't really know what they're going to do there yet. So he may have a very short clock, even if he can get some playing time in the short term, it may be over by the, you know, Josh Lowe is very likely to come back shortly after the all-star break, if not immediately. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, that that's a tough one too, but that's, that's, I guess what I'd say for the upside, I, I'd go can zone overall reminding everyone that I'm not thrilled about any of them at this moment. Cause they all need things to happen to really find that full-time role. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, before we take our second break, uh, let's talk about, uh, unfortunately Mike Trout, who, uh, uh, fractured his left hammock uh, and underwent surgery could be out anywhere from four to eight weeks. Uh, and it was a shame because, you know, the angels had been kind of hovering around, you know, you're hoping that you see Mike Trout in a world series before his career is over. And if anything, you know, he has this issue with his back. I thought that that would be what did him in this season. I mean, uh, hopefully, you know, with uh, this type of injury, you know, it could be anywhere from uh, just a month. It uh, could be longer. So uh, in his first 81 games a season, uh, had 18 home runs, 44 RBI, 263 batting average. But uh, fantasy impact of this injury, uh, what are we thinking? I mean, 
you know, Taylor Ward's still going to get his uh, regular playing time. Mickey Moniak going to keep on getting playing time as the strong side platoon as a lefty batter. He's in the lineup uh, against righties. And all of a sudden, uh, Joe Adele is back in the picture. Of course, Joe Adele, uh, always tr- tremendous uh, minor league hitter. Uh, but when he gets the majors, it just doesn't translate. There's uh, in, in uh, 570 plate appearances in the big leagues as a 215-260 OBP. A 215 batting average, 260 OBP, and a 365 slug. But in the minor leagues, he has a 286 batting average and 549 slug. So uh, is he the like basically a dollar and a dream kind of pickup in five outfielder leagues? I mean, what's the fantasy impact of this unfortunate injury for Mike Trout? So, so let's start with Adele, who apparently left Saturday's game with some left oblique discomfort. We don't oh, know no. what that means. Oh, we have boy, no idea. Okay. And again, we're about yeah. to go on a long extended break, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's not like he's going to have to play through it for the next week. So uh, that that's worth keeping an eye on. But let's assume he's healthy for our purposes here. I mean, you know, you know the problem, right? It's strikeouts. Yeah. It's that major league pitching finds his holes and exploits them much more than ma- minor league pitcher can. So. They just have, you know, it's a, he's got barely any uh, plate appearances this season, but a 35% strikeout rate over 571 plate appearances at the big league level. Yeah. Right. Like that sounds right. Has he been better with strikeouts this year? Kinda right in the minors. He was only striking out 26% of the time, but that still looks like 30 something percent when you get to the majors. Uh, And he's never really been able to take walks in the majors at all like he was in the minors because major league pitching is just a lot more. They're able to fool him more, attack him in the zone, and then set up breaking balls that look like strikes. And he can't lay off them because he gets behind in the count so easily. So that's, that's what's tough for Adele. Of course, he's the upside guy. Right. I mean, there were times where he was talked about as a, you know, an elite prospect because he's got amazing pop. He's got speed. He doesn't steal many bases, but he can run. Uh, so, I mean, it's all about the power. But again, it just comes with such it comes with so many strikeouts. It's hard to unlock it. But with, you know, the power surprise to me has been Mickey Moniak. Right. Mm. This is never this was never a guy who I thought would hit very many home runs in the minor leagues or in the major leagues. He's got 10 so far this season in 38 games. Like that's what I would have projected him for like a whole season right? uh, right. for Mickey Moniak. So um, he's he's hitting for a lot more power this season. Uh, He had eight in the minors, 10 more in the majors. So across like 71 games, he's got 18 home runs. That's way more than I thought he'd have. He's hitting 300. Now the batting average is extremely suspect to me. This guy never walks. He didn't walk in the minors. He doesn't walk in the majors. He strikes out a lot, right? So it's a 31.6% strikeout rate so far uh, in the majors this season. It was 24.8 in the minors. But when you make that switch, I tend to add about 5% uh, when you go from the minors to the majors, Uh, you know, especially like triple a, I start with 5% and then we see what happens. So he makes this 5%. You make that 5% jump, yeah, you get to about 30%. And so when you don't walk and you strike out 30% of the time, you need a lot of fortune on your batted balls, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's not, you know, this isn't the case of the classic, you know, we talked before about guys who are, you know, piling up batting average because they're hitting a bunch of line drives. That's not really what we're seeing here. Um, He's hitting 55.2% fly balls, right? And yet keeping up a 30, you know, a, 308 batting average that's nuts mm-hmm. right fly balls generally speaking to get a fly ball to be a hit it has to leave the ballpark and he's got a 20 you know his his home run to fly ball rate is over 20 percent which again 
extremely high in the minors. We never saw it really above like 15, you know, 15 to 16%. It was up at 19% this year. So look, maybe, maybe Mickey Moniak has found this new power stroke that we've never seen before this season. I'm betting against it, which to me makes Moniak a streamer. You know, he, he is hitting in the top third of this batting order. So that makes Moniak interesting. He's going to play every day right now. So that makes him mildly interesting. He is a former first round pick, be it back in 2016, uh, as you know, the very, very long time ago, uh, as a high schooler. So, eh, you know, the, the power again, it's a huge surprise. The batting average is way higher than I expected to be rest of season. It's not because he's been like super lucky. You know, Statcast isn't exactly out here saying like, oh, he's garbage. Right. He shouldn't have nearly. I mean, they have him as a 263 hitter with a 539 slug, which, yeah, that's a lot lower than 300. But that I would love that result hmm. if Mickey Moniak just did that. I don't think he will. I think it'll be worse than that. But you might as well ride it while it's hot. And he's got playing yeah, time in the middle absolutely. or top of an order. Hitting anywhere near Shohei Otani is a pretty advantageous thing to do. So, <laughs> sure, sure. It's a streamer. All right. Um, one other injury note that will. Uh... Uh, talk about before we take our second break. Jose Altuve, uh, Astro second baseman, back on the IL, 10-day IL due to discomfort in his left oblique. So we'll see how long that is. Oblique injuries could be tricky, but uh, we'll see how long he ends up. Uh, like you mentioned before, we got the all-star break coming up, so uh, hopefully that helps his recovery time and won't have to miss too much time. But uh, fantasy impact of, of this move i mean uh, you know david hensley back with the big league team but he disappointed earlier this season mauricio dubon has been a pleasant surprise right Uh, has fantasy value based on his multi-position eligibility uh and you know has played well when called upon this season but looks like he's going to be playing every day again in 71 games 283 batting average with a 307 OBP and 403 slug, you know, pretty good. I mean, uh, any take on uh, the uh, fantasy impact of this injury for to uh, Jose Altuve? Yeah, I mean, in super deep leagues, Mauricio Dubon is interesting. He's got some uh, he's got eligibility kind of all over the place. Yeah. Uh, you know, middle infield. Um, he can play outfield as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. uh so yeah, I mean, the, he's fine, right? Mm-hmm. He puts a lot of balls in play, uh, but he doesn't have a ton of power. He doesn't have a ton of speed. Over the course of a full season, he'd be someone that went like 10 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and like hit somewhere between 260 and 270. Mm-hmm. That's where I'd put him, uh, Mauricio Dubon. So take make of that what you will. In most leagues, uh, especially you know standard leagues, that's not relevant uh, for more than a few weeks at a time. But sure, right? Why not? The Astros are scoring a bunch of runs right now. Uh, They're hitting well. So he hits near the top of that lineup, which means he can score runs. He can be useful. I think the more interesting name to me uh, that is finding more playing time, not necessarily because of this injury, is actually Corey Jolks, who is an outfielder. He can Mm -hmm. also play third base. Uh, He's got some power and speed. Last season in the minors, uh, his WRC Plus wasn't very good uh, because he was in a very hitter-friendly environment, but he did hit 31 home runs and steal 22 bases. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so he pretty good in the minors last season. Um, he's already got 15 stolen bases on the year right now. He's hitting 282, the 15 steals in 69 games. So, you know, really nice numbers there. And he's got six home runs too. So, so there's some pop, right? So 
I, I like Corey Jolks as a guy who, again, is finding playing time. Um, you know, right now it's mostly in the back of the batting order, but they've gotten cute and they've thrown him like, you know, recently against the Rockies, he hit second. Um, he's actually hit first before as well. Uh, he had a really, uh, you know, he had a really nice little stretch with, you know, four straight multi-hit games recently. He does put plenty of balls in play. That's the one who I think, you know, if you're going to look for an Astro, I think this is, this is the guy I'd go after in the short term. And mm-hmm. I'd probably rather have Jolks than, you know, certainly more than Adele, more than Dubon. I probably put him on the same level as, even though I like Jolks is a player more than I like Mickey Moniak. Mickey Moniak is still hitting first through third. So that gives him an advantage to me, but between these two, it's very close to me. Mm-hmm. So Jolks or Moniak. So if you're, you know, if you're in a kind of a little bit of a deeper league, you know, five outfield kind of thing. And these are the choices you have like Moniak or Jolks. I'd probably lean Moniak just a little bit because he's going to get more plate appearances, but the upside is with Jolks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like the fact that you brought him up and, you know, he made the most of his playing time. And, you know, with Michael Brantley still, uh, you know, on the IL, you know, he slipped into the lineup as in 69 games, batting 282 with a 325 OBP and a 408 slug. Like you mentioned, you know, six home runs and 15 stolen bases. So I like that call. Um, all right. So let's take our second break. And when we come back, uh, we'll talk about some players that have made some moves on your hitter list. And if we have time, we'll talk about uh, we're doing a way too early uh, draft uh, for uh, next season. Uh, and uh, we'll talk all about that right after this. All right, we're back. Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I am Joe Galina. I'm here with Scott Chu. And Scott uh, puts out the hitter list every week, comes out on Wednesdays. Right, Scott? If I can get to it, yeah. Sometimes it's Thursday morning, but usually it's Wednesday. Right. Uh, okay. We, yeah, we understand. Got, you know, twin babies and, and, and a full-time job. We understand, Scott. But uh, so let's talk about uh, some of the players. First of all, you you mentioned Otani, and, you know, we really haven't spoken about him uh, this season much. But when you look at what this guy has done so far this season, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time on him, but. You know, just, you know, kudos to him. The 32 home runs, 71 RBI, 11 stolen bases, batting 302. And then there's the pitching aspect. And then you look at what he's done in his last 36 games, right? 20 home runs, 38 RBI with a 360 batting average, uh, 1.366 OPS. Just, you know, hands down the MVP of the American League so far this season. And he just turned 29. Right. Yeah. Uh, just this last week, uh, day, you know, July 5th turned 29. So not even 30 years old. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's on his way to high 40s or maybe even low 50 home run season. The strikeout rate has gotten better again. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so that has actually just raised the floor for him even more. Right. Uh, now that he's striking out at this 21.9% level, a 300 batting average is like a, a thing that he can maintain for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very least, I expect him to hit uh, the rest of the way, at least 270, right? Which mm-hmm. is the batting average he had last season. So, I mean, he just keeps getting better, right? I, I, you know, first things first, he's not being traded because what do you, what do you give for him? Well, how do you, how do you, how do you trade for Otani in real baseball? Right. It's sort of like trading for him in a league where it's a daily league where he can be a hitter or a pitcher. Like, what do you offer for Shohei Otani? Right. How do you, 
I mean, could you, could you actually give a top 10 hitter and like a top 15 pitcher and have them say yes? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the only thing is that in a way, if the angels don't think that they're going, let's say if they just, you know, lose like, you know, 70% of the rest of their games uh, heading into the, the trade deadline, you know, if they could get, you know, something incredible, uh, and they feel yeah, strong like enough. a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they feel strong enough where they could sign it. Because is is he a free agent at the end of the season? He is. He is. That's the big deal, right? So if you could trade him and you feel confident that you could re-sign him, you know that that's a that's a move. But yeah, it would be tough to put a value on him. But could you imagine? And you sh- know, a, a team that's just you know on the cusp of becoming, uh, you know, you know like a world series contender just for this season, you know, not only do you get the bat, but you get the the pitching as well. I mean, I know a lot of teams that could really feel good about their world series chances. If they got a top 10 hitter and a top 15 pitcher added to their roster. He's not, with he's one not, spot. He's, yeah. He's not one player. You're right. He's, uh, uh, he's, I mean, Shohei, I, I, I just think he's, I won't, I won't get into the argument of is he is the best, is he the best player of all time yet? He's the most talented, but I mean, nobody, you, you can talk about old stats from the dead ball era all you want, right? Nobody, nobody has that's been around can hit 40 plus home runs and throw a hundred miles an hour and be a legitimate starting pitcher in today's league with like four pitches. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's the, like everything you need to know about Otani is how Mike Trout talks about Otani, mm-hmm. right? Mike Trout talks about Otani. Like we all talk about Mike Trout, right? Like, oh, he's just, he's just the best. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's also a great personality. You print money when you have him on the team because, you know, Japan still loves Otani, right? They, they follow, I mean, he blows up. I mean, you, you're selling, you've like expanded your whole, because like, if you're in Japan, right? Like who's their favorite player in the majors like right now? Like it's almost all, it's almost to a person Otani, mm-hmm. right? Like that's a whole market you just picked up, right? Where everybody likes him. You know, like the, the one baseball card investment I made was an Otani autograph and mm. it's paid handsome. I, I got it for 450 and it's already worth almost double that right wow. in two years. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, everything you say about Otani is he is right now. He is number, uh, he is number two on my hitter list. I actually didn't take hitter Otani in our too early draft. Um, because I wanted to take, uh, I just wanted to take Fernando Tatis jr. Uh, mm-hmm. we're not talking about that quite yet, but, um, Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I have, I have Otani. I have Otani mm-hmm. number two. I will note that almost every projection system puts Tatis Jr. over Otani mm-hmm. uh, for the rest of the season. And in a lot of cases, it's not very close. But uh, in season right now, the way he's locked in, like the only reason he's not number one is because of Ronald Acuna Jr. That's mm-hmm. it. So you're saying that uh, I have to check this and I b- believe you, but you're saying the projection models have Tatis over uh, Otani in many cases uh, by wow. you know, when I, when I ran those numbers like two yeah. weeks ago, in many cases it was by like six to $10. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I, I uh, see the one thing about taking him, uh, you know, very early in drafts is that, you know, in many league formats, he's utility only eligible. So that kind of limits you. But, you know, in Yahoo leagues, he's first base eligible now as well. So that helps. And I ended up taking him as a pitcher in the, in the, in the, in the fourth round, you know, because, you know, he's a guy, not, not many starting pitchers are going to give you 200 plus Ks uh, a season. 
And, uh, you know, I would have liked to have taken him as a hitter. But uh, at that point, you know, uh, you know, Corbin Burns was right around him, Justin Steele. You know, but I felt very comfortable taking Shohei as the pitcher. Yeah, because that was the right pick. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I mean, of course, in leagues where Otani it daily leagues, one player, Otani's the number one player mm-hmm. combo Otani. Uh, he's the number one player until someone says otherwise. Right. Right. All right. So let's uh, take a look at a couple other hitters on your hitter list that made moves. Uh, Matt Olson moved up six spots. Uh, I mean, look what he's done as well uh, over his past 24 games, 12 home runs, 28 RBI batting 320 overall. Uh, leads the NL with 29 home runs, 71 RBI, batting 254, and you know that's what you expect from him. That you know the the 250 or so batting average, uh, the home runs. You know he's a guy that you know you pencil in anywhere from 35 to 40 home runs every season. But now looks like he could you know he could push up to 50 to possibly this season. Thank God he's not in Oakland A anymore. Uh, that'd be, that'd be such a waste. Uh, so actually the hardest thing about ranking Matt Olson was not putting him up one more spot above Julio Rodriguez, who has been up and down. He's a little bit better right now. I have to, you know, I sort of had to respect that Julio Rodriguez has the capacity to be a five tool guy. Matt Olson is more like a, uh, you know, I don't, I can't even say four. It's like three and a half. Uh, but the power and RBI are so good that it makes up for that. So that's why he didn't go over Julio Rodriguez, but that was a tough call for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Yelich up uh, six spots, been batting lead off for the Brewers this season. And, you know, the 285 batting average, 379 OBP, 455 slug, 11 homers, 46 RBI, 21 stolen bases. Uh, you know, he's been dealing with injuries over the past few years, but uh, probably not going to be like a 30 plus home run guy anymore but good to see him uh being able to play every day it played 86 games so far and you know he has moderate power and he gives his stolen bases and the batting average and coincidentally uh cody bellinger who uh also had kind of tailed off uh find the new life in in chicago with the cubs and in our uh, way too early uh mock draft which it's going to be an article very shortly but uh Christian Yelich was taken in the fifth round and then a pick later, two picks later, Cody Bellinger went. So, uh, and I, and just to be clear, I, I mean, my ranks bear it out, but I'd really rather have Yelich. Uh, so, you know, the thing about Yelich is he has dealt with injuries. He seems, he certainly seems healthy now. Mm. Uh, you don't want to chase those huge home run totals because it's really hard to ignore the fact that, you know, it was likely driven by that rabbit ball because Yelich just doesn't get the ball in the air all that Mm -hmm. much. So to have those kinds of home run numbers, he needed basically like every fly ball to go out of the park, which Mm -hmm. was easier to do when the ball wanted to leave the park. But with the new ball, that's a little harder, but he can still be everything else, right? This is a guy who can, who can be like a 20, you know, 20 home run. He's still got plenty of stolen bases left in his legs, which is a bit of a surprise, but he's, he is able to run still. Mm -hmm. Uh, He, you know, he hit, he's going to hit first, second or third for that team. I kind of don't care which one it is. It'll just change the number of runs in our, you know, it, He's going to get like a bunch of runs in RBI. He should get close to, you know, 190 to 200 of them. Uh, it'll just like the way that it's split will just change based on where he hits in the lineup. But yeah, I'm a big fan of Christian Yelich. And if this is what healthy Christian Yelich look like, you know, looks like, then we still got another couple good years left. Sure. Yep. Uh, only 31. So yeah, we still do have a few, hopefully have a few good years left of 
uh, Christian Yelich. So uh, Tommy Pham up 15 spots, number 105 overall. Uh, this guy early in his career was a 20 homer, 20 stolen base uh, guy uh, in his prime. He's uh, 35 years old, but uh, in some respects has been one of the best Mets hitters recently. Uh, nine home runs, 34 RBI, 10 stolen bases in 68 games to go along with a 278 batting average. Yeah, it, this is not driven. You know, I, I was digging around in some of our skills metrics. This is not driven by some big increase in skill. This is just Tommy Pham. I think, you know, being comfortable at the plate right now and getting some regular time, uh, you know, it, it's tough because when you start getting to this tier, this is tier 12 in the ranks. We're just after, you know, you know, number 100 people move so much in this, in this, you know, in the ranks from here on, right. Uh, you can move. It's not that weird to move 15, 20 slots, uh, Mm -hmm. because we start really getting to a place in the ranks where it's, it's close to that streamer. Like it's, he's just above that right now. Like I'd be, I'd be just keeping fam till he cools off, uh, because we know that there's some upside there. He's a veteran. He can do some good things, but you know, he's, He's not someone that I'm like trying to acquire. I'm just, if I can take him off the wire, I will. And if I have him on the wire, I should feel, you know, if I have him from off the wire, I should feel very good. But streamer, you're right? really, yeah, streamer. Mm-hmm. when you're in like a 12 team league and you're looking at the hitter list, once you start getting like past hitter 100, you're not going to see a lot of guys who I'm really trying to trade for mm-hmm. unless they're, you know, deep leagues. Sure. Or spec guys. Sure. Uh, but, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ha Seung Kim, uh, infielder for the Padres, uh, looks like he's finally, you know, feeling comfortable, uh, former KBO megastar, right? I guess, well, I don't know, megastar, definitely a star, uh, but, uh, ha- has been hot, uh, is half uh, a season home run and solo base totals for this season are basically equivalent to the numbers he put up last season, 10 home runs, 16 stolen bases, uh, 250 respectable 255 batting average uh, getting on base at a clip of uh, 347 so um you know scoring a bunch of runs as well yeah and you know let's let's he did miss a game recently with injury i think he'll be fine after the all-star break but we'll keep an eye on it but um you know the thing with Young kim and the reason he sort of jumps onto the list and jumps where he does isn't necessarily because i think there's like a ton of fantasy upside here it's that he's leading off, right? It's one of the things that can really change a player's fantasy outlook is becoming a leadoff guy. And the Padres have not had a good leadoff guy for some time, right? Like how many years did they stick with Jake Cronenworth and Jerickson Profar? A couple of very, you know, kind of average bats overall. So I think Haseon Kim really has a good chance to stick in to this leadoff spot, keep it for the rest of the season. And, you know, hitting in front of, Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., and Manny Machado and Xander Bogarts is a pretty good place to be, right? I mean, like Xander sure. Bogarts isn't what he was, but Soto, Tatis, Machado, like that's mm-hmm. one of the best two, three, fours in the league, right? Mm-hmm. And you hit right above them. If you get on base, you got a pretty good chance of coming around, right? So, so that's really the thing that makes me excited about him. He's a player that I'm trying to scoop up everywhere. Um, you know, if someone thinks they are selling high, I am. You know, this is one of the players that are in the back end that I will try to trade someone who I rank higher. But, you know, if I've got a need for a little bit of speed and for some run scored, this is, I think, one of the more this is one of the sources I think that's more acquirable because people think will think they're selling high and he leads off now. Not everybody Mm -hmm. pays attention to that stuff. 
Yeah, important. Definitely important. Um, so the last player we'll talk about uh, is a New York Yankee who makes his debut to your hitter list. Anthony Volpe, shortstop for the Yankees, uh, debuts at number 135. And uh, are you familiar with the chicken parmesan story when it comes to Anthony Volpe, Scott? No. Okay. So <laughs> Yankees had an – you know, obviously, um, if you follow – Volpe struggled early on, and the uh, Yanks had an off day on uh, June 12th, and uh, Volpe invited uh, some of his old teammates over to his house, and uh, they were hanging out. They were eating chicken parmesan, reminiscing, and so uh, he's talking to a Yankee catching prospect, Austin Wells, and Wells gave him some batting advice. Uh, one of the things was that uh, Volpe was uh, standing too far off the plate and, you know, once I heard the story and they, you know, the, the announcers, the Yankee announcers, uh, you know, were talking about it. You actually saw that Volpe was uh, standing closer to the plate. And ever since then, uh, you know, it's he's been a different player. So since June 12th, and that's 23 games, he's batting 303 with a 369 OBP and a 513 slug, has three home runs. Uh, two stolen bases. You know he's been been a different player. So it's like you know, uh, nothing like hanging out with old friends and having some comfort food, right? Especially if it's good old fashioned Italian food. Uh, and uh, you know, and and look at what happened. He he made his debut onto your hitter list. Yeah. So I mean, he had been on it earlier in the season, but I had to take him off, right? Because okay. he was just oh, not yeah. performing. But he is back. <laughs> uh, he's out of the taxi squad. He's back on. He has led off the last three games, uh, which mm-hmm. is yes. pretty exciting. He hasn't done huge. anything with it. He's hitless for those three games. But, but it's huge that he's uh, there. For he's for there. Opportunity. That, yes. That's a big opportunity. And it was, it's interesting that you tell me that story because uh, this. The skill stuff we have do, does not say that Anthony Volpe's like making better decisions at the plate or anything like that. So, but you know, changes to your batting stance or changes to where you stand in the box don't always show up there, right? Because mm-hmm. you can make the same swing decisions, but ha- be in a better physical location to do more damage when you make the contact, right? right? So that's mm-hmm. the part, you know, and his power is up a bit uh, in our skills metrics. So that does make some sense, right? Because if he was making the right decisions, but he was further from the plate, so he wasn't able to get the good part of the bat on the ball, that makes you know a lot of sense and why he might have been struggling. He's been even better his last 12 games, even if you include the three hit lists, you know, hitting 333 over that span. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's gonna get to 20 home runs and 20 stolen bases by the yes. end of this season. Yes. Uh, I think, you know, I think I think everyone kind of agrees that we should see a lot more from Volpe, uh, especially, you know, maybe next season. But, you know, let's not forget this is a top 10 prospect in baseball, right? His mm-hmm. prospect status, I think, is finally like over because he's played 90 games in the big leagues. But uh, if if he was still on prospect lists, he'd still be, I would hope, right near the top. Right. Mm-hmm. This kid is not cooked yet. Yeah. And it wasn't a straight line to the major leagues. And, and you know, I mean, because he struggled. If you look at his 2022 season, uh, once he was promoted to triple A, he struggled. You know, he batted 236. He struck out a little over 30 percent of the time. So, uh, you know, it's taken him time to adjust. But the Yankees have, uh, you know, that they, they they've been patient with him and look, the Yankee offense has been terrible. You know, you've got, uh, we, we, uh, the Yanks moved Hicks, but Josh Donaldson, I think he, he might have like 14 hits instead of them are home runs. DJ LeMay has been terrible. Uh, John Carlos Stanton up until yesterday has been terrible. Uh, you know, Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers were carrying the team for a week and then, and Bowers is now on the IL. So they really need to have a little spark plug at the top of the lineup. And it's good to see that Anthony Volpe is, you know, kind of 
moving in the right direction right now. Yeah, no disrespect, but you don't make it to the playoffs because Billy McKinney and Jake Bowers brought you there, right? Absolutely. That's not no, no. That's not the path through the uh, AL East. I'm, I'm so. definitely well aware that even if the Yankees <laughs> do make the playoffs, they're not going to go far. So we'll see. But if you listen to, and I keep on talking about New York Sports Talk Radio, uh, you know, sports uh, f- Yankee fans, uh, they want... Um, they want Cashman out, so they're not too happy with Aaron Boone as well. But we'll see what happens. But it's it's kind of what makes it fun to follow baseball from a real life perspective as well, not only fantasy wise, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, they it, it's not like they lose all their games, right? I mean, it's funny how badly they want to get rid of a manager who's what like eight games above five hundred right now. It was like the Yankees are, you know, if you look at fan graphs, they're like 60.8% to make the playoffs. Do you know what I would do for that, Joe? Watching these Tigers for the last, I mean, we're getting to a point where it's been close to like a decade. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know what right. I would do to be mad about being eight games over 500? Like, I'm thrilled they're only 10 games under. Right. Well, we talked about them last week that they play in a division where, you know, the little hot streak and they're right back, you know, contending for a, a first place finish. It's, They're it's 39 and 49 in five and a half games back. Do the Look math. That. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Do crazy. the math. It's, it's crazy, but awesome at the same time. So good stuff. So uh, so uh, what are you going to be doing during the All-Star break? I mean, I don't know how much I'm going to be watching over the All-Star game, but I do enjoy watching the uh, the home run derby myself. Oh, yeah. Me and my buddies do a do a we all pick. We all get a random player. Uh, you know, we all throw a little bit in. We all get a random player. Just gives you a reason to to root for you know, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping Adley Rutschman kind of surprised some folks. I think some folks are down on him, but remember the, the, the home run derby is not about raw power. Mm-hmm. It's about getting the ball up in the air, mm-hmm. right? Cause you can hit it as hard as you want, but right. like, this is not the exit velocity derby. It's the home run derby and you got to be able to pull that ball, get it over the fence. That's all you got to right. do. Right. Right. So, I mean, like, he never went, but that was why they always said Ichiro Suzuki would be one of the best, right? Because he would just take every single pitch you gave oh, yeah. him and he would know how to put that, you know, batting practice. You kidding me? He'd put every single one of them just inside the foul pole. If he ever decided right? to be, you know, he probably still re- would. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's retired now, but you know, if he decided that he wanted to hit home runs, you know, he, he'd be a home run. He'd be a tremendous home run hitter. So, but it'll be interesting. I'm interested to see, uh, you know, Alonso as well. You know, obviously he's always one of the favorites to, to win that. How much he cares about the home run derby has changed the home run derby for the better. Yeah. Yeah. To me is the biggest thing, (laughs) how much he cares. That's what I love. Right. So good stuff as always, Scott, Uh, that should slam the lid on things for this week. And you can follow my buddy Scott Chu at If the Chu Fits. You could follow me at Joe Galena. You could uh, follow our podcast and uh, give us a nice rating if you don't mind. But uh, until we uh, see you again next week, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. And we'll see you next time. <laughs>